Despite dating back more than 3,500 years, its earliest records ranging from ancient Egypt to imperial China, our next topic of interest remains very much a global pandemic today. With at least 64 million individuals affected worldwide, a prevalence that is only expected to increase, and an increasing number of urgent hospitalizations observed in Canada, heart failure is one of the leading causes of mortality and morbidity today. Previously understood as simply congestive heart failure, it was not until most recent decades when classification was introduced using ejection fractions. Despite accounting for the highest prevalence amongst heart failure classification, little is still understood about heart failure with preserved ejection fraction compared to its reduced counterpart. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medical residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is titled, Little Room for Relaxation, Heart Failure with Preserved Ejection Fraction. The cardiac cycle is composed of two core elements, left ventricular filling, or diastole, and left ventricular ejection, or systole. Understanding the normal diastolic function of the heart will enable a better understanding of heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Diastole is a complex interplay of several dynamic processes, which include active relaxation and passive compliance of the left ventricle. Diastolic dysfunction is a result of both micro and macroscopic changes to myocardium, which culminates in structural remodeling. The predominant phenotype is concentric remodeling, which is characterized by increased wall thickness and decreased chamber size. Development of diastolic dysfunction can lead to decreased ventricular filling and consequently increased filling pressures for any given volume. There are several risk factors for developing diastolic dysfunction, including aging, hypertension, coronary artery disease, diabetes mellitus, obesity and valvular heart disease, particularly aortic stenosis. Hypertension and aortic stenosis both increase afterload of the left ventricle, thereby inducing hypertrophic compensatory remodeling. Diabetes and obesity have been found to induce inflammatory signaling and increase oxidative stress, thereby leading to micro and macroscopic left ventricular remodeling. In this regard, heart failure preserved ejection fraction is a disease state largely driven by comorbidities. It is important to remember that heart failure is a clinical diagnosis. Heart failure preserved ejection fraction is the clinical manifestation of heart failure in the patient with both diastolic dysfunction and normal ejection fraction. Cardinal symptoms include dyspnea on exertion and at times at rest, orthopnea, which is dyspnea while lying flat, and paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea, or PND, a sudden attack of dyspnea at night, resolving after sitting up. Second to dyspnea on exertion is a symptom of fatigue, which affects approximately 59% of patients with heart failure preserved ejection fraction. Why does this occur? In the absence of mitral valve disease, diastole conceives a continuous chamber between the left ventricle and pulmonary capillaries. This, in the event of elevated left ventricular filling pressures, leads to elevated capillary pressures and the symptoms of dyspnea. With severe heart failure, the compliance of the left ventricle is so severely impaired that adequate end diastolic volume cannot be reached even at maximal filling pressures, 
which leads to exercise intolerance and fatigue. You can classify the severity of symptoms using the New York Heart Association Scale, where NYHA Class 1 denotes no symptoms and NYHA Class 4 denotes severe symptoms even at rest. While the sensitivity is considerably lower, other pertinent features on history include cough, which can be either productive or non-productive, and nocturia, which occurs as a result of increased renal perfusion in the supine position. With more advanced heart failure, symptoms such as altered mental status or confusion, secondary to decreased cerebral perfusion, and cachexia, secondary to protein losing enteropathy and high inflammatory states, may be present. It is also essential to ask about management of comorbid conditions such as hypertension, atrial fibrillation, coronary artery disease, diabetes, and obesity, given the risks it predisposes. On physical examination, pressure backup toward pulmonary and right-sided circulation leads to crackles on auscultation and jugular venous distension. Decreased compliance and relaxation of the left ventricle gives way to an increased dependence of ventricular filling through atrial contraction. The result of this contraction against stiffened ventricles leads to a low-pitched sound before mitral valve closure, also known as the S4 heart sound. Other findings on physical examination include hepatosplenomegaly, which would occur as a result of hepatic congestion and peripheral edema. Similar to history, it would be essential to examine for optimal controls of comorbid conditions. This includes a blood pressure reading, a pulse assessment for an irregular heart rhythm, and an assessment of the micro and macrovascular complications of diabetes. The initial workup of a patient with suspected heart failure includes a chest x-ray, a 12-lead ECG, a BNP level, and a transthoracic echocardiogram. Other investigations include a blood test, including liver function tests, complete blood count, serum chemistries, fasting lipid profile, and TSH, which can help rule out other causes of the patient's symptoms, determine the severity of disease, and may help delineate the etiology of heart failure. The echocardiogram is the key investigation that will help you determine if this patient has heart failure preserved ejection fraction versus heart failure reduced ejection fraction. Knowing the ejection fraction, as discussed later in this podcast, will help guide your management. The chest x-ray can demonstrate several features related to volume overload, including pulmonary edema, curly beelines, which are parallel opacities at the interlobular septa, indicating interstitial fluid buildup, pleural effusions, and peribronchial coughing, whereby fluid density is observed encapsulating the bronchioles. Further, as a result of pulmonary venous congestion, blood vessels in the upper portions of the lung, which are smaller and fewer in number, can distend, displaying a pattern of vascular redistribution on x-ray. Cardiomegaly holds both the highest sensitivity and specificity in the radiographic diagnosis of heart failure. While an ECG does not hold specificity in the diagnosis for heart failure, it lends itself to the identification of key risk factors, including left ventricular hypertrophy, atrial fibrillation, and ischemia. Elevated levels of pro-BNP, above 400 picograms per milliliter, hold increased sensitivity for the diagnosis of heart failure, 
However, it is not reliable in adequately distinguishing between reduced and preserved ejection fraction subsets. The pillars of heart failure preserved ejection fraction treatment are treatment of underlying causes of the heart failure, management of chronic cardiovascular disease, and symptom management. An important feature of managing a patient with heart failure is the optimization of lifestyle and modifiable risk factors. The Canadian Cardiovascular Society and American Heart Association recommends that clinicians engage patients in following a salt-restricted diet, staying physically active, adhering to their medications, and ensuring they stay up-to-date on their vaccinations. Where possible, it is recommended that patients are connected with multidisciplinary teams consisting of nurses, pharmacists, dietitians, mental health clinicians, and social workers to ensure that these aspects of their care are appropriately addressed. Almost all guidelines currently recommend the concomitant management of other cardiovascular comorbidities, such as hypertension, diabetes, obesity, chronic kidney disease, and coronary artery disease. A class 1 recommendation by the AHA is that in patients with both heart failure preserved ejection fraction and hypertension, blood pressure is controlled with medications to achieve guideline advised blood pressure control. Unlike in heart failure reduced ejection fraction, the therapeutic recommendations to improve mortality and morbidity in heart failure preserved ejection fraction is limited. The mainstay of treatment includes mineral corticoid receptor antagonists, MRAs, such as spironolactone, and SGLT2 inhibitors. MRAs have been shown to have promising outcomes in the management of heart failure preserved ejection fraction. While the treatment of preserved cardiac function heart failure with an aldosterone antagonist, or TOPCAT, trial did not show any evidence of reducing the composite endpoint of cardiovascular mortality, aborted cardiac arrest, or heart failure hospitalizations when compared to placebo, it did decrease heart failure hospitalization among patients with heart failure preserved EF. Importantly, in a post hoc analysis conducted, it was determined that spironolactone led to a significant reduction in the primary outcome for the study's cohort in the Americas. This points to a clinical benefit of spironolactone in heart failure preserved EF. The Canadian Cardiovascular Society has subsequently put forth a weak recommendation for the use of spironolactone in patients with heart failure produced EF and appropriate renal function. More recently, the use of sodium glucose cotransporter 2 inhibitors have been found to have mortality and morbidity benefit in symptomatic heart failure preserved EF with an elevated BNP. Outside of these two therapies, ACE inhibitors or ARBs can be considered to potentially decrease the rate of heart failure hospitalization. It is important to know that they have not been shown to have a significant reduction in all-cause or cardiovascular death in patients with heart failure preserved EF. However, it has been shown to decrease the heart failure hospitalizations in this population. Beta blockers, though frequently used for other indications, for instance, atrial fibrillation or coronary artery disease, has limited randomized control data to suggest its clinical use in isolated heart failure preserved EF. For symptom management, loop diuretics such as furosemide are recommended for patients with fluid retention, though there is no clear mortality benefit for its use. (laughs) 
Emperor Preserved was a randomized, double-blind, parallel group and placebo-controlled trial published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2011 that studied the effect of the sodium glucose cotransporter 2, or SGL2 inhibitor. Empagliflozin on the composite of cardiovascular death or time-to-heart failure hospitalization. 5,988 patients with a left ventricular ejection fraction greater than 40% were randomized to receive either empagliflozin or standard therapy. During the median follow-up of 26.2 months, the primary outcome occurred significantly less often in the empagliflozin-treated group, which was driven by a reduction in time-to-heart failure hospitalization. This was later confirmed in DELIVER, a randomized, double-blind, parallel group and placebo-controlled trial published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2022 that studied the effect of the SGLT2 inhibitor dapagliflozin on the primary outcome, heart failure hospitalization, urgent heart failure visit, or cardiovascular mortality. 6,263 patients with a left ventricular ejection fraction of greater than 40% were assigned to either dapagliflozin or standard therapy. During the median follow-up of 2.3 years, the primary composite outcome was found to be significantly lower in dapagliflozin. There was no difference in the incidence of adverse events as well between both groups. While the most recent AHA guidelines were released before the publication of DELIVER, it reflects the results from Emperor Preserved. It incorporates a Class 2A recommendation for the use of SGLT2 inhibitors in reducing heart failure morbidity and hospitalization in patients with heart failure preserved ejection fraction. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Little Room for Relaxation, Heart Failure with Preserved Ejection Fraction. This episode was written by Aishwarya Roshan, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Krishnan Ramanathan, cardiac intensive care and clinical cardiologist, and Dr. Allison Lai, general internal medicine. The Internetwork series was created and executively produced by Allison Lai, alongside executive producers Zara Morali and Leah Karanopoulos. This podcast was produced and recorded by Zara Morali. Theme song by Laxman Zavantha Mohan. If you liked this podcast, please like and subscribe at wherever you get your podcasts. Please also check out our website, theinternetwork.com, for an associated infographic. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you again soon.